Welcome to The Next Scene, the podcast taking on pop culture one scene at a time. We expected in this space you'd be listening to our coverage of The Muppets Christmas Carol, but the schedule got a little tight this year, and we decided that this Christmas classic deserves our full time, full attention, full resources. So rather than rush it, we uh, we delayed The Muppet Christmas Carol uh, until next year. Uh, so we will have uh, new episodes of The Next Scene coming up in January. But in the meantime, we wanted to drop this uh, this little stocking stuffer in your feed to to make up for the lack of Muppets Christmas Carol. Uh, we have a special bonus episode. This is part seven of our six-part coverage of Home Alone for the Holidays. Uh, in this episode, we have guests Robert Black and Curtis Blaze, along with hosts Brian German and myself. So listen in again. Sorry for the lack of Muppets this year. In the meantime, please enjoy this bonus episode of Home Alone for the Holidays. Welcome to the next scene, the podcast taking on pop culture one scene at a time. And Home Alone for the Holidays, breaking down the Christmas classic in six easy pieces. Uh, this is part seven of our six-part coverage. I'm your host, Sean. And I'm your other host, Brian. Joining us today is Robert Black from uh, The Room Minute, Mike Myers Minute, and The Groundhog Day Project. Uh, welcome. Yes. Merry Christmas. Merry That's Christmas. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah, sure. Or it's, it's close enough. to Oh, uh, it's that starting. Time of year. Yeah, definitely. It's It starts once you talk about it, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> And we are definitely talking about it. Also joining us from the Better Off Dead Minute, it's Curtis Blaze. <laughs> hi, everybody. Oh, hi, Hello. Hello. And and what we're here to talk about today is so one one particular facet of the Home Alone, and that is the uh, the notorious South Bend shovel slayer, Old Man Marley. Yes, the fascinating character, very decisive out there. People either love him or hate him. Yeah, a lot of different opinions. It's uh, relatively... Wait, there's people who hate him? Yeah, exactly my thought. I could see, like, forgetting about him, maybe, or remembering, oh, there's some old guy, but hating him. I know. I know. I I've, I did not see this film until recently. And one of the things that convinced me that I had only seen, like, advertisements and trailers is because for all the things I did remember, I didn't remember anything about Old Man Marley, which I, I'm pretty sure I would have if I had seen it and kind of one of the things yeah. that, that really stood out for me. Wait, you only saw this recently. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. I, um, I grew up without Christmas and this was the Christmas movie we owned. Well, and it was weird. It was, it was a weird experience for me. I, we had decided we were going to do this for the podcast and I was doing my, you expected it to be sort of your garden variety rewatch where you're familiar and you're just kind of taking notes because you've watched it, but you haven't watched it for a podcast before. Mm-hmm. And all these things kept coming up that I didn't remember. And what I think has happened is that, that this movie just got so far into pop culture that I felt like I had seen it. I, I must've seen, you know, seen the commercials and trailers and everything a, a million times. And I was familiar with uh, like Harry and Marv, they get a hit. They get hit with the paint cans, and they're yeah. they're they're tripping over the micro machines and all those things. I knew those scenes, 
but there was so much of the movie and particularly the old man Marley stuff that I didn't know that didn't seem familiar that I'm pretty sure I just saw commercials and I kind of convinced myself or misremembered that I had seen the movie decades. I now I knew I hadn't seen it recently, but I figured, Oh, in the nineties, I must've seen it at some point. Yeah. But all this old man Marley stuff was new to me. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I did not see this movie until just a few minutes ago. And there's or a few uh, months ago. There's visuals like his traps and stuff that come up in other movies all the time too. Uh, Better Watch Out, a horror film from like two years ago, maybe, had a guy deliberately like test out the paint cans on someone. He hit someone in the face with a paint can to see what will happen. But they go with gory, more, I don't know if it's realistic, but definitely more gory setup where it smashes the guy's head. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's tied to a chair at the time, so he can't like move back from it. (laughs) All right. Oh. Well, let's let's start things off. So Brian and I, we've talked about our history with this movie. Kind of, let's get into it. So, so, so Robert, just so it this this movie came out in 1990 as a young man, someone who whose family didn't celebrate Christmas, but you knew this movie as a Christmas movie. We saw it in the theater, even though we didn't celebrate Christmas. Okay, and my mother, who had grown up as a kid with Christmas, like maybe it was like her. Memory of Christmas and what she loved about it, loved this movie and bought it on video as soon as it was out and would watch it every year. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, well, I was already a teenager, but still would watch it every year and I've seen it like most years since. And uh, Groundhog Day Project, I watched it for a week as one of my Christmas movies when I did a month of Christmas movies. There you go. Well, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a good movie. It has that effect on people. Whether it's a good movie is different discussion. But oh my! Okay. No, it's a good movie. It I I have some problems with it All after right. reading my Groundhog Day entries. Actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and we can we can get to those. Yes. I'm- so so Curtis, let's hear about what's your history with the movie. Did you did you see it in the the theater? You watch it every year. What does Home Alone mean to you? Oh well, the very first time I saw it was I didn't want to see it. I was going through sort of a phase of not wanting to see popular movies. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know, the public doesn't know anything about good movies. I was very <laughs> stuck up. But my girlfriend was like, hey, we're going to Home Alone. And I like, <laughs> and I said, hey, I guess we're going to Home Alone. <laughs> so I went, <laughs> and I loved it. It was, it was amazing. I watched it every year since, sometimes in the middle of the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love this movie. And I totally disagree with whoever that was. Robert, I think it's a great movie. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying it has flaws. (laughs) So the question is, where do we all come down? Well, I know where Robert is at with old man Marley. Where's everybody else with this character? Do you love him or is he just awesome? (laughs) (laughs) Because those are the choices. Yeah. So, so Curtis, how do you, where do you come down on old man Marley? He's a figment of Kevin's imagination. Ooh, spicy take. (laughs) Ha ha. No, I don't know. You know, I love him. Of course I love him. He's like, he's great. He's a, you know, there are characters like this. Characters like this aren't in movies anymore. And you know, this, there is the, the whole like kind of, well, now it's, it's sort of the, the fight club thing. The Tyler Durden is old man Marley, the Tyler Durden of Home Alone. <laughs> because of, well, it doesn't exactly work. And well, because of the, the first scene when we're first introduced to old man Marley is buzz. We, they, they hear 
Buzz and Kevin and their cousin are kind of in Buzz's room and they're packing up for their trip and they hear the scraping of the metal can on the sidewalk um, of the, on the walk outside. And they, they run to the window. The cousin's like, what's that? And they run to the window and they look and Buzz tells the story of the South Bend shovel slayer um, who kills people and then mummifies their body in his bucket of salt. And they, they have to arrest him or put him away because there's not enough evidence. So at that point, seems to be he's a real person exists that uh, mm-hmm. the people other than Kevin see. But after that, from that point on, it could be that, that Kevin just imagines him. And we'll, we'll, we can talk about as we move through, we'll, we'll talk about the different scenes and we can discuss whether anyone other than Kevin is reacting to um, this odd old man who I, yeah. And I, and I, I love him. I think it's a great character. I think it really makes the movie. And he is not something, this is not in the original John Hughes first draft or original script. Really? Um, And and I think this is a much different movie without this character and and not as good of a movie. I think he he makes it. He makes it. So let me just start off with, with, um, so that first scene, it comes at five minutes and 41 seconds into the film. It's only about a, a minute and 20 seconds of Buzz telling the tale. And, and I have, um, well, I, I have one issue. My one, my one main issue with this sort of origin story or introduction is as a, as a serial killer, wouldn't he want to destroy the bodies as evidence? It would seem that if he's keeping mummified bodies around and, and I understand Kevin's only eight, he may not make this, this leap in logic. If he's keeping the bodies of his victims mummified in salt, wouldn't that make it easier for the cops to put him away? It depends where he keeps the bodies. So you're, you're thinking about it at logically from a serial killer perspective. Mm-hmm. If this happened in 1958, I assume they found mummified bodies. They just couldn't connect them to the bodies. That's what Buzz knows. So and, he really uh, did do this. I, I'm just going to build on that, too, and say that as a strategy, maybe he doesn't, maybe he doesn't, maybe he's not getting rid of the bodies. He wants to keep them around. But um, he doesn't want him to smell and attract attention. So mummification mm-hmm. is the way to go there. Yeah. That way he gets to keep them. Nobody knows he's got them unless they actually physically lay eyes on him. And then I agree with it, with Robert that probably they were found, and that's how they knew it was mummified, but they couldn't connect them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so I guess maybe I, I was thinking a little bit of modern forensic science that they wouldn't have back then. And right. I guess the right. Right. And when also, you become a serial killer, Sean, you might not want to do this method. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also something that just occurred to me, it may just be for transportation. Um, like, because I kind of got the way Buzz tells it, I kind of got the impression like he, he either thinks or he's trying to make Kevin think like there could be a body mm-hmm. right there. Like they're looking at that can of salt that they're looking at that has a body in it. And I would think if you catch a guy dragging a, a metal trash can around with a mummified body in it, that's pretty good evidence. You yeah, should be very suspicious. You should be able to get a guy on that, but maybe he's not storing the body. It's just, he's going to kill someone. He puts it in, he puts the body in the barrel of salt or the can of salt. So it doesn't smell and he hides it. And then that's just to transport it. And then the, the actual storage is someplace else. And as Curtis says, it's going to dry it out. It's not going to smell. Um, 
So it, it's stored somewhere else. It's just for transport. It's not his, storing. His actual storage is probably in his basement, and that's why he's so in, it's so important that he takes out the wet bandits in the film so they don't ruin his basement. Right. Because, yeah, it, it's a little bit of a um, – well, I know there was some of this in De- Dexter. Uh, what was the Kevin Costner film with, with Dane Cook? At the Costner, he's – Wow. He, he, he's, he's just – where he's you just killer? two conditions there that make it so I will never see a movie. <laughs> Are you talking about Kevin Costner's a murderer? Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Brooks. That's a great movie, Mr. Brooks. Yeah, that's it's a great. Movie. And I'm not a Dane Cook fan, but he's bearable in this film. Uh, <laughs> that, that that is yeah, that's underrated right there. Yeah. So so Kevin Costner is a serial killer, and he's like one of those. He's just hiding in plain sight in suburbia kind of thing. And Dane Cook shows up. And wants to be an acolyte. You know, he's like, teach me. I want to be a killer the same way you are. And of course, Kevin freaks out because he's like, I don't need this heat. My whole serial killing business is premised on, you know, it, it's kind of like the trope that the, the 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 neighborhood where the mafia lives is the safest place because they don't want attention. They don't want petty crime going on. And if you're a serial killer, you don't want anyone killing in your neighborhood. The same right. kind of thing. So, yeah. So a serial killer kind of, you know, under the radar doesn't want the kind of heat that Harry and Marv are going to bring. So mm-hmm. he's going to be very interested in in taking them out and, and making sure that that case is wrapped up very cleanly so the cops don't look any deeper. OK, yeah, I buy it. Absolutely. You buy that he is a serial killer? Yes, that's, that's where we're going oh, right now. That he could, that he could be. Well, also we're talking about from this position of the first scene we see him. In. <laughs> he could just be a mass murderer. It was one time in 1958. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, yeah, I should, I should be more precise in my language. So it's yeah, mass murderer, not necessarily a serial killer. Gotcha. Right, and he doesn't want attention, or at least the the version of the the sort of Tyler Durden version of old man marley that lives mm-hmm. in kevin's imagination that we will see later in the film is an actual killer and so, m- my bit of evidence that he's a killer from this first scene is the size of his shovel yeah. rather the size of his trash can because that shovel is so big in that trash can that it is impractical to use that's that those two together because <laughs> he's going to have so much trouble getting to the bottom of it with that shovel and getting the last of the salt so there's got to be a body under there yeah well, and that's big. So I have, I have a small bucket when I'm salting my walk in my driveway when it's snowy and icy, and it's like a five gallon bucket that I fill up with salt. And that thing's heavy. It's very heavy to drag around and get out to the end of the driveway. And that's a five gallon bucket. And I mm-hmm. and I fill it up halfway. I don't. I never fill it up all the way because I don't know if I'd be able to lift it full. This guy is like, what's that? Like a fifty? Like um. That is a thirty-gallon can. A, a thirty-gallon can. That's a, that's like a, a full-size <laughs> trash can that seems to be full of salt that he's driving dragging around. That thing's going to be heavy, and he's you know he's dragging it. He's not lifting it, but still, why would he need such a big can when unless a, he's hiding on the side a body? Of him in the sun? Not being a killer, maybe it's just full of like an airbag up to like a few inches from the top. So that he doesn't have to bend over to get to the salt. The salt's just up at the very top. Uh, Body, bodies really- aren't as dense as salt. Yes. 
That would certainly lighten the load. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, because body is mostly water. Water's pretty heavy. It would have to be um, not mummified, though. Oh, right. Because yeah, well, but if it's mummified in this salt, isn't the moisture just going into the salt? So that all that, all that moisture would still be there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we can. When he goes to dip in, and it's a little bit after six minutes into the film, he goes to dip in uh, to get some salt, and he only goes maybe a quarter of a way down. So we don't see salt. The thing is not brimming with right. salt, but it's mostly full. I mean, it, yeah, it seems like he goes maybe a quarter of the way in. Um, so it's three quarters of the way full of something or somebody. Hmm. It's it's all very suspicious. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he should at least have a trash can with wheels at his age. Yeah. Either way, whether it's bodies or salt. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about Mr. Marley or old man Marley? What was what was he in 1950? Was he like a ice cream delivery guy? What was he? Hmm. I'd say if he was an ice cream delivery guy, he would have killed people on more than just his own block. Oh, and he would have been able to keep the body. Because the local kids okay. would have been a problem. I think he was an insurance job. salesman. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, some kind of door-to-door traveling thing, insurance or vacuums, encyclopedias. I'm definitely down with the, yeah, some kind of, yeah, death of a salesman type situation. I'm thinking more of like a some sort of landlord because he killed his whole block. So there's a reason that it was local. It's it was he wasn't like planning to murder a bunch of string of people like a serial killer. He it was more right now this all of these people annoy me. They all need to be dead. So something local. Maybe a, I don't know. Maybe a cop. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it was his local beat. Yeah. I kind of want to see because this movie because I don't get the impression. Now, I do think so in terms of like when, when, and how did this happen? That there was something wrong from the beginning, but he's not like he didn't grow up. This isn't a Jeffrey Dahmer type. It wasn't like he wasn't torturing animals and, and there weren't the signs weren't there from the beginning. He seemed relatively normal. And then he just got so annoyed by people that he had to kill them. So yeah, I, that's what I was thinking yeah. too. Like he, there was just a, a situation where he snapped. Yeah, he snapped. Where at least he he seemed normal. He was acting normal. There was the it was really truly a case where there was no sign, and then just yeah, there's some triggering um, event that just crossed the line for him. You know. Um, well, that, let's start with Sean. Let's start with Sean. Sean, if if there was going to be a triggering event that made you snap kill someone and then mum and then put their body and then mummify their body in salt. What would it be for you? <laughs> the the thing that I pause and I'm thinking and that the but the thing I'm the thing that I'm hesitating on is not what would make me want to kill someone. The thing that I'm hesitating on is what would make me want to keep their bodies around afterwards. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Cause let me just let me just say so in definitely um, a buried lead. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'm I'm a, a white collar office worker type person. I sit at a computer and I, I type away all day, you know, talk on the phone and whatnot. That's my job. And um, we recently they relocated our offices where I mean, I never had my own. I didn't have my own private office, but I had a cubicle with walls and I was separated. And I couldn't see, at least see other people. And there was some deadening of sound. 
And a couple of weeks ago, they moved us to an open space where there's no walls. We, we have our desks. There's no separation. Look over and I can see the person next to me. I can see the person in front of me. If I look over my monitor, it's wide out in the open. Hear everything. And there are the people that don't know that their phone has a silent feature. Like they don't turn off the ringers on their phones. So you can hear. And then the people that go to the bathroom and leave their phone on the desk and they get a call and it's like ringing for two minutes and everyone can hear it. There are the loud talkers. They're just, <laughs> you know, so I could easily I, see there's there's at least 20 people. That, I, I'm, picturing a, I'm picturing a woman across the hall from me going, corporate accounts payable. And I'm speaking just a moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sean, you'd say you're more of a workplace. Over and over. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm I'm a I'm a workplace kind of guy, and that's why if I mean I live. I didn't say kind of guy; I said killer. <laughs> I'm, I'm the work. Yeah, to get work, a quote from you here for the record. For the record, so I could see, <laughs> and it and it adds up like one annoying person. Ugh, you know, I think I would have more patience for. I can bite the bullet, or it makes it easier to avoid that one person when you're in a room with twenty annoying people, and it just adds up. And it's like exponential. It's like two annoying people are four times as annoying as one annoying person. Mm-hmm. And so I could see like I'm and, and I'm definitely in that. If I was ever going to if, if I'm ever accused of killing one person, then, you know, I didn't do it or or there's, <laughs> or there's more bodies they haven't found yet. I should probably say because there's this recording going on. There are witnesses. I'm not a killer. I haven't killed anyone. I don't plan on killing anyone. If you think I killed anyone, I'm I'm going to go on the record right now and say I didn't do it. <laughs> but if I did, <laughs> if I were to do it, like I think I would, I would be kind of in that mold where I would snap. I would, I wouldn't just do one person. Like say, oh, you know what? If I've, if I'm going to cross in for a penny, in for the pound. Once I cross that line, I'm taking everyone out. Kind of thing. <laughs> like if if I if I ever do it, it's going to be I'm going to need a lot of salt. That's all you're I'm gonna, saying. You're going to make the news. Now, if someone else were cleaning your driveway of snow, would you get mad at them? Oh, no. no. <laughs> because, uh, yeah. what's his name? Wendell Popejoy, 63, uh, in, what, what year was this? This was a few years ago. Shot Sheila Bong, 59, because she was using a snowblower in his driveway. So, he walked out and shot someone who was cleaning his driveway. So, wow. Oakland and Marley might actually be in more danger from everyone else. Yeah. See, I would think if someone's doing my driveway, I will give them a lot of leaks <laughs> of how they do it and how much noise they make because I know how much work that is. And I have a very long driveway. Oh yeah, I'm figuring so, out a way. I'm figuring out a way for a a, a nice bottle of uh, Johnny Walker Black to make it into the front seat of their car. Absolutely, absolutely. At the end um, of the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Did I? I, I probably did. I answer your question, Kurt. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, you didn't really, you didn't really say why you would mummify them, but I think we got, I think yeah. we got the whole. I'm, wait, I'm sorry. There's, oh, but there's a knock on the door. Some men with badges, a gun. I, I have to go see what that well, is. I think we did get the answer. He would mum. Sean would mummify them so that they'd be quiet. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, I got it. I got it. Yeah. You know, because uh, where was killing I? isn't quiet enough. He wants them to be really quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was recently reading, I was reading some like true life spooky Halloween stories. Uh, speaking of holidays and someone was describing an incident. They found someone had, 
I'm going to try to remember the details. I don't remember much, but basically someone, there was a car accident. Body was thrown from the car, had died in a ditch. And when they were retrieving the body as when bodies decompose, gas is generated and the gas was escaping through the mouth of the body. And the person was like definitely a hundred percent dead, but kept making like moaning and groaning sound <laughs> as the decomposition gases were escaping through their mouth. And it was the <laughs> freakiest thing ever. And I'm like, yeah, so yeah, dry out the body. Cause yeah, even dead people can make annoying sound. Yeah. So yeah. That so just I makes could, me want to see Swiss army man again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so Curtis, same, same question back at you. Like what would make you want to mummify bodies? Mummify bodies. Oh my God. Well, okay. Or let's, just, start, yeah, just... Let, let's just start at the end. I'd probably mummify the body for the same reason that uh, old man Marley uh, is alleged to have done it as, as we're alleging just to, mm-hmm. to keep the smell down so that, mm-hmm. so that nobody finds it. Um, God, I don't know. Mummifying a body. Cause I have a feeling that it would be a snap situation. And if it were a snap situation, I'd want to mummify the body so that neighbors wouldn't call the cops for the weird smell while I try to think of a place to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. It would be that simple. It wouldn't be like a, a weird thing where I want to keep the body around. It's just for convenience. So that'd be my reason for mummifying the body. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I wonder, would it make it easier to break down the body? Mm. Could it be more brittle and break it up into smaller pieces you could dispose of? That's a really good question. It'd make it less messy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that stuff has to leach out somewhere. It doesn't just evaporate. I mean, there's a, my understanding of mummification is that the fluids are removed. Well, of course, you know, I guess if you. Well, in this case, they're going into the salt. Yeah. That you then just spread around the neighborhood. Oh, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Now we know how he's getting rid. (laughs) The evidence is all over time. Oh my God. They'll never catch him. That's amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't think about it, but now I like that idea. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> I'm using the salt to uh, I, I, I'm helping the neighbors out. I've got a lot of salt to get rid of, <laughs> so of course I'm helping the neighbors. I, I'm going out, I'm throwing it all over the place. Okay, but but why would I snap? What would make me snap? There was a time back in the early 2000s where I was done with convenience store clerks trying to start up conversations with me. <laughs> I wanted to just buy my stuff and get out of there. And yeah. not talk about the weather, and and <laughs> and it seems like it seems like I particularly was cursed with clerks that just wanted to like hang out and talk all day and tell me about their life. You and just had that uh, face. You seemed like a, a caring listener, right? And actually, it was the opposite. I was just seething inside. I'm like, just shut up. I want to go. <laughs> I want nothing to do with this. Oh, oh, yeah. And then you know, I, I'd be standing at the door, door half open, going. Yeah, yeah. Well, have a good day. And then they'd launch into something else and I'm just like, oh. mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. Uh so so that would probably be my snap thing if if I suddenly started being cursed with that again and couldn't escape it. That would be the most likely that would be the most likely reason. I don't know how I'd carry that off. You know, would I have to wait for him to get off work? Because I don't feel like I like I wouldn't be able to snap in a store and then get away with that the way that old man Marley does. Mm-hmm. I'd have to uh, I'd have to build up a grudge, and it would be less of a snap and more of a you know premeditated situation, where I'm waiting for him to get off work in the alley or whatever. Okay, 
Of course um, it's good. Yeah. Because because with Sean's at least, it's if he takes out everybody in the whole office, there's this period of time he has where he could like get rid of stuff before anyone else comes in. It's sort of semi private. <laughs> right, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but in a convenience store, you're just done. Mm-hmm. Just bad times at the circle K. Too hard to snap these days with too many cameras. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, that's that's part of the problem. But uh so and so Robert, you know, you seem like a uh, you know, well, so Robert, uh, you know, same question. So what I would you see what would make you snap? I would say right now (laughs) it's Google Robert Black and you'll see that I'm not allowed to snap. (laughs) Because there was already a serial killer named Robert Black, and it's not fair. (laughs) Well that but that's the perfect cover. So if if you, it's like, what is the likelihood? Come on, cops. Come on. I couldn't have done it. It's one of those things like, you know, you just be like, oh, I, you know, come on in, have a cup of coffee. No, I understand you. You want the other Robert. Mm-hmm. Well, no, he's dead. He died in prison. Oh, OK. Um, but yeah, they were. They- Sounds like a pirate. But then, like, you know, <laughs> if you're, you know, if you're applying for a job or going on a date or anything and be like, oh, no, I know go- it's the other guy. You know, I get it all the time. I tell my students to Google him, like, <laughs> off in the first day of class. And they'll be like, uh, and I'm like, don't worry, he's dead in prison. <laughs> then a couple of my students are like, you kind of look like him. I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, but, but basically, it's, it's, you know, my the options. Of, I don't have the option. I don't, you don't think, have the so option. I, it's like bringing a bomb on a plane. It's, because it's a very handy. Going to be two bombs. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> handy sidestep, though. The two bombers fight each other. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, Brian, well, same question. Kind of you, you, you've snapped. You're become a mass murderer. You're mummifying bodies in salt. Okay, I'll tell Why you. Why did exactly you do what, it? This is exactly what happened. <laughs> what happened or happened? Uh, I mean, this is exactly what will what what possibly could happen. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so just like we were talking about clerks, now mm-hmm. these days, as I'm sure we've all been to places with self-checkout, where you're scanning things yourself to get out of there nice and easy, no having to talk to anybody. Exactly. We've all seen that. But Oh, God every, yes. yes. But every time I try to do it, you there, something goes wrong, and you've got to call somebody over. Why would you have to call somebody over with the self checkout? And it happens every single time. And <laughs> next time it happens, forget it. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you quit trying to buy the baseline meth ingredients, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've ever gone where I where there isn't something where it says, "Oh, you know, a, associate will be right over to you know put in a, a three digit code," and all of a sudden everything's fixed. <laughs> right. Yeah, those self-service things are not as self-service as they as Exactly. They but I'm with you and I know like I am I am I am sympathetic to workers and the plight of entry-level jobs and you know kind of low-skill jobs that are getting replaced by machines. I will pay the salary of the checkout person if I don't have to actually deal with them. I you know I I feel bad. I'm I know I'm not supporting the working class whenever I do it. But yeah, if there's a self checkout line, I will go there every single time. Oh God, I'm, I'm right with you. I, I have no issues with that. I don't even, I don't care what it makes me look like. Yeah. Get me away from the humans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I need, I need like a, a pendant or a pin or something because I wear, 
I wear a lot of t-shirts with slogans and pictures and whatnot, and especially now getting involved with the movies by minutes community. And a lot of the shows have, uh, you know, have, have stuff up on T public and I want the cool shirts that have stuff from the movies I love. And I'm also supporting the podcast I listen to. So please go to tpublic.com and search for your favorite podcast and buy their stuff. So I have a lot of t-shirts with stuff on them and yeah, clerks always want to start up a conversation and actually it just happened today. I'm wearing um, my star Wars minute poll treat them shirt and nice. i was at the dry cleaners and the guy's like oh that looks just like you and i'm like on the one ah. hand thank you um <laughs> I, I look like paul treatum i guess that's a compliment uh two why aren't you at your post and three just give me my change don't talk to me leave me alone <laughs> oh, so i need man. like so i, I want to i should have the shirt but then have like a pin that says do not ask me about my shirt <laughs> It's like, or maybe I just wear them inside out where like, okay, I know I'm wearing the shirt, but then no one's tempted to talk to me about the shirt. Right. Oh man. I'm seeing myself reflected now in your actions (laughs) and I'm starting to feeling, I'm starting to feel bad about myself. (laughs) Maybe I should quit being such a dick to clerks. No, no, you're fine. In my mind. In your mind. T-shirt interactions are the ones I like because they're usually really brief. People don't want to have a conversation about my shirt. They're just like, yeah, cool shirt. I'm like, okay, thank you. Yeah. And I move on. Although yeah. I often have to look down and double check what shirt I'm wearing because I own too many. But right, I like those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually, I, on the scale of, of clerk interactions, this wasn't too bad. And in case my dry cleaner's listening, I bring <laughs> it up just because it happened to happen this morning right before we were recording. So it's fresh in my mind. But really, I, I like people this morning. Cleaner. Excuse me? You killed people this morning? No, I was at the dry cleaner this morning. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I did not kill the dry cleaner because I was dropping off as well, picking up. So I still have clothes with them that's getting clean. Right, you so. kill them after you pick up, right? Right. Practical. <laughs> you can't kill while they still have your stuff because then you don't get your <laughs> stuff back. It becomes evidence right. then. It's a good you alibi. Gotta, you got to think oh. these things through. You got to be smart. Um. So let's get back to uh, a little bit of, of the Home Alone film. Our next appearance. Now, before we get oh. to our next appearance, I do have a, a, a comment. Oh, sure. Comments. We love comments. The McAllisters don't call Marley no. from Paris. No. Now, is that because they know he killed a bunch of people in 58 and has, it hasn't been proven? Whoa. Or do they call him and that's why he keeps showing up is because he's keeping tabs on this kid that will really fit in his trash can. See now, I think we, I think what has happened is they know him to be, if not a killer, uh, just a weird guy, and that's probably the one guy they're not calling. But Boy, I don't know. Weird. That's I, ageist. Yeah, if you're not a kid, if you're not a kid being fed a line of crap by your asshole older brother, like what do you think of him as an adult if he's just hanging around? He's the guy that sometimes just comes and cleans your driveway. Yeah, well, that and that's there is an open question because later when they're t- when Kevin and, and Marley are talking in the church and he kind of says like I know people talk about me. Oh yeah, well, ref- that's true. Right, you know, or I know the, you know he, you know he knows kids are afraid of him. Does he know the the specific story about the South Bend shovel slayer that Buzz told to Kevin, or is there some other rumor? Is he thinking of something else that? And there's some other Man. reason he thinks that kids are afraid of him. If I found out people were calling, does he spread those stories himself so that most people don't want and won't bother? Which him. is not a bad idea. <laughs> if I found out someone was calling me the South Bend Chevrolet Killer, I'd get a T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> get shirts made. Yeah. 
But yes, they don't call him because they think he's crazy. Boy, I don't know, you know. Or does he not have a phone? He may be like the ultimate hipster. He's like, I don't have a landline. Cell phones haven't been invented yet, but I don't have. (laughs) There's a possibility, too. It's 1989. If you don't have a little book with somebody's number in it, or you don't have a phone book for the local area that you're calling, you don't have the number. Right. And we do see when uh, when Kate hands like she's got her little organizer phone book thing that she hands to um, her sister-in-law to start making calls. They may just not know his number. Mm -hmm. Right. He might like, why would he be in their book? Right. That's possible as well. I kind of picture the grown-ups relationship with him, though, being kind of one of he cleans their driveway once in a while when they're gone and kind of looks out for stuff. And he finds a a, a bottle of Johnny Walker black in the front seat of his truck sometimes, you know, just kind of a friendly little but distant relationship. You don't think Mrs. McAllister compares her mannequins to his mummified bodies? (laughs) (laughs) They swap stories. They dress them up, you know. (laughs) Like, can you pull oh the mummified yeah. bodies like this? Right now, there. So, and there, Marley's got some issues aside from the mass murdering mummified body thing. Because yeah. so, if he knows that Kevin's home alone, when they when they run, like he has opportunities to kind of say, you know, you should stay with me, or like to just do something. Especially going back to that that church scene at the end, he's like, well, you should run along and, and get home. It's like, well, but if you know he's home alone and he's only eight years old, maybe he shouldn't be. But he doesn't know he's home, home alone. Does he know at that point? No, he doesn't know he's home alone. Okay, here's my argument for he does know he's home and he tells him he should get home. Yeah. He he can keep track of him better there. He can watch him better. I think if old man knows, Marley would have a better grasp of him being home alone than the shop, the people at the grocery store. Yeah. I went to the store as a kid all the time. We lived two blocks from a liquor store and yeah. I'd go buy stuff. Like they didn't find it weird that I was by myself. Even in a liquor what, store? What did you buy well, in a liquor <laughs> store when you were a kid? We always called it a liquor store, but it was a convenience store. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was like a package store. Like they sold, they probably had like beer and liquor, but then they also had. Yeah, so had lots of candy and soda. Gum and candy, yeah. Yeah. Come Cigarettes. Thinking, our, and- our local liquor store gives candy to kids. Bleach and bleach and salt. Just your bleach comments. and salt yeah. and lye and shovels. <laughs> yeah. See another thing, like a, so, a snow shovel is a very wide, flat blade for like pushing and shoveling snow. Is going to be very. Um, it's not suited for digging a hole, particularly no, no. a grave. No. But it is going to be good for for salt. Well, and and I picture it being swung sideways too. It's 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 a pretty thin shovel. It'd be good for it'd be good you for like uh, slicing. Yeah. Well, yeah. And since we're talking about shovel, I'll I'll skip right to the end when he takes out Harry and Marv. Again, it's a very thin metal blade that whacking someone with a snow shovel, it's going to hurt. But to knock someone out, like you, well, at that point, they've been through a lot. Yeah, he swung that shovel before. He just got lucky. You don't take someone out <laughs> the first time you swing a snow shovel. <laughs> There's oh a God. that's that shovel's got a very small sweet spot for knocking pra- people out. It's a practice well, move. It's muscle memory. Question. Yeah, they're, they're injured. I think he. I think it might be his first time. You, oh, you think so? You like the, so? Kevin softened him up with the, the yeah. paint cans and whatnot. Oh yeah, they were about to collapse anyway. They were running oh, yes. on adrenaline. Yeah, 
Um, but get, get into this whole movie, the whole crux well, of no, all man. <laughs> I wanted to speak that a little bit because uh, looking at the scene, he, he holds the shovel in such a way that it would maximize the amount of damage it would do. He isn't, he isn't swinging it like a baseball bat. He's got mm-hmm. one hand clear up on the shovel. He's really choking up on that sucker and he's giving him a solid dunk. He knows the physics of hitting somebody with a, with a shovel or with an object anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was in his late teens when World War II came. I'm sure he fought in the war. He probably fought in Korea. That's probably why he killed, why he snapped in 58. No offense Ooh. to soldiers with PTSD, but in 50. Sure. Well, they, they, they weren't treating no soldiers for their injuries, yeah. like mental problems then. So he's got training and practice, maybe. Well, and, the, and in those days, they did teach people hand to hand combat. Mm hmm. Because that was still a thing that was going to be pretty, pretty relevant to combat in in Korea. Yeah. Now, so this makes it so. So this ties in. I wanted to talk a little bit, uh, just a little about Robert's Blossom, who mm. is the actor playing yeah. Old Man Marley. And I wonder if they're about the same age. So Robert's was born in twenty nine. If we're thinking, so the film comes out in ninety. Maybe it's taking place in eighty nine. Because that's when it would, you know, be filmed before it actually comes out. Well, if you go with the accurate days, it's more likely eighty-seven because that's when the Friday and the Christmas, Christmas is on a Friday. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Um. So yeah, he's so that the actor was well was he was born in twenty-four would be sixty-three. Okay. Yeah, well, he was born in twenty-four. Would be in his early mid sixties. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do the, the movie math then. The late eighties or ninety. If that's about so if if that's about the age of old man Marley, then that fits in because Robert spent um he spent a year at Harvard, a year at university, and then dropped out of college to join the army to go to for World War II. See. So it was right about that time. So not only is he got the the PSD PS PTSD and mm-hmm. the the psychotic trauma. Of of what he of his, what have he experienced in the war? He's also got the sense of loss of the life he could have led if he had stayed in school and, and continued with his academics. Right, and, and Robert's Blossom's first IMDb credit is in 1958. So as he's starting his film career, his fictional self is starting his killer career. So there's there's a lot of parallels, a lot of parallels, and and interestingly enough, and I don't know if this came into play with the casting here for this film. <laughs> uh, Roberts Blossom played the lead in Deranged, a yep. 1974 film based on the life and crimes of Ed Gein. And, <gasps> yep. And I think we've mentioned Ed Gein before. If you're not familiar, Ed Gein is the basis of, in addition to this film, about a half dozen other horror films, including Texas Chainsaw Massacre and, and Psycho and a bunch of other things. Ed Gein was a guy was I think considered I guess you could say both a serial not a murderer because he didn't do a bunch of people at once but a serial killer who and and grave robber who yeah. did things mummify his family members to keep them around and and cut off people's skin to make you know make a people suit and stuff like that ah! so yeah there's there's a bunch of movie serial killers and crazies based on this one guy who well, was. And you're really burying the uh, a portion of this here 
when it comes to mummifying people, the rest of the title of that movie is <laughs> yeah. Deranged confession, Confessions of a Necrophile. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. So, yeah, in the, in, in the film, so Blossom plays Ezra Cobb yep. is, is the name of the character say. in the film. But, yeah, it's, it's based on, again, so, yeah, so this guy as an actor has a background playing that kind of character. Now, I, I got a quote for you from that movie mm-hmm. describing his character and see if this fits with old man Marley. To the outside world, Ez was a little eccentric maybe, but basically a normal, decent guy. But the loneliness within him had grown to a vast abyss, and the pain of his loss at last pushed him over the precipice and into madness. Oh, my God. A lonely old man, ostracized by his family. Mm-hmm. Pushed over the brink of madness. <laughs> if not for his interaction with Kevin, he might have killed again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So there's and yeah there's, there's a lot to also this interesting coincidence at the climax of that film when he kills his second to last victim he's got a bandage on his arm and old man Marley has a bandage on his hand okay mm. <laughs> I'll have to see I actually I, I I must admit I just know this from IMDb and Wikipedia I have not I watched it <laughs> deranged so um, I think I'll have to check that out why do you think it is when we're kids every every man that lives alone as a semi shut in becomes a serial killer and every woman that lives alone in the house as a semi shut in becomes a witch. Fear why, of the why, do we, why do we do that? Uh, did you just answer your own question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The becomes was an interesting phrasing. There. <laughs> yeah. in, in our minds, in our minds, right, this right. but yeah, I guess it could work the other way too. We've well, got, Basic fear of the other. If we don't know them, they're weird. And old people are inherently weird anyway when you're a kid because they're old and they're wrinkly and they smell strange and Mm -hmm. they don't move like other people. We don't know because we're kids that, you know, body parts break down and get stiff because we don't have that problem. Right. Yeah. But now I'm going to take the opposite line here on this whole old man Marley thing. This guy is just misunderstood. We're not there yet. We'll get there. (laughs) Okay, fine. <laughs> we're not we're not there yet. We haven't misunderstood him enough yet. No. <laughs> yeah, no <way>. exactly. <laughs> so there's so getting back quickly to the the film itself. There's there's two scenes. There's one scene in the film and a deleted scene that are very similar. So I'm going to kind of group them together. Mm-hmm. It's uh, thirty one night starts thirty one nineteen into the the film and lasts for about a minute. There's the scene uh, the first time Harry and Marv have attempted to break into the McAllister household. Uh, Kevin hides under the bed. Harry and Marv, or he turns on all the lights, then runs upstairs, hide on, hides under his parents' bed. Uh, Harry and Marv are spooked by the lights coming on. They leave. Uh, eventually, Kevin comes out and, and he says, only a wimp would hide under the bed. Be a wimp. I'm the man of the house. And he comes down, he, he, stri- he puffs out his chest, he walks out the front door of his house, he screams into the night, I'm not afraid anymore. Um, and then eventually, uh, old man Marley comes around and we see that Kevin is, in fact, still afraid. And there's a deleted part, there's an earlier scene um, where Kevin goes sledding down the stairs. He, he has, well, kind of like a toboggan. He, sled, he, he takes the sled, he goes down the front stairs and out the front door and goes sailing out into the front yard. 
And the deleted bit is, I think in the movie that just ends, Kevin picks up the sled and walks in. Uh, the deleted bit is originally old man Marley comes by and looks down at Kevin sitting on his sled in the front yards and the front yard. And Kevin pretty much does the same thing that he does in, in the scene that's in the film is he jumps up, he screams, he runs back into the house. Mm-hmm. So here we see these are these are two scenes where, you know, to, to Brian's point that Marley doesn't say anything like Marley doesn't even say like, you know, you shouldn't be sledding out the front door or, you know, why are you screaming? It's a nighttime. People are asleep. Like Marley doesn't say anything. It's just merely the appearance is enough to spook Kevin. And there's nothing that Marley does directly in, in either scene that kind of justifies Kevin to be that frightened. He's he's scared of his own imagination. Well, the the, the nighttime scene, the lighting makes him well. Scary. I, how how old did we determine Kevin is? Nine. Well, Kevin's eight. He's okay. they, or eight. Yeah, well, so yeah. So Macaulay is nine in the movie. He's eight in the book. He's seven. Oh, that's right. But seven, eight, nine around there. That that tracks. Yeah. Um, and it seems all he really knows, which is odd, also because so he's been living in this neighborhood is at you know maybe as much as eight years but or as little as however long since they moved in um if he was already born at that point but the when his when buzz is telling him the story about the 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 shovel slayer like it seems like he doesn't know marley at that point like wouldn't he have seen marley around the neighborhood like he should have a first impression other than that where it seems like or maybe he just never noticed him before it's kind of a peanuts thing where you know, as a kid, you kind of live in a world with uh, other than your parents and your teachers. Maybe you don't notice adults and them talking. It just sounds like wah, wah, wah sounds <laughs> and, and kind of buzz now made him. OK, now he's a real person that you're going to notice and he's a killer. And that's, you know, but but so so these scenes where it just from from the audience, what we see is this guy just shows up because he lives in the neighborhood and then Kevin automatically runs away screaming. Right. Well, the the nighttime scene, the I'm not afraid anymore. They do light Marley really nicely. Mm-hmm. He like he looks like a scary old guy, and I, I wrote in my notes that it was good use of old manness. Also, he's got like that <laughs> little bit of hunch to him, and he just looks. You don't want to be near him, even if he's going to be the friendliest guy ever. He just he looks odd right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they do give us they they he shot you know from low looking up, and the yeah. lighting it's a little bit of the flashlight of the chin effect. But that's mm-hmm. like as a as a short little kid, that's how you would see this tall adult. You would be looking up and he would seem menacing. And even from Marley's perspective, him running out looks crazy, but you could chalk it up to just the kid playing around. Who knows if they're playing hide and seek from Marley's perspective here. Right. So it's not like he'd be alarmed and run in and be like, are, are you home alone? <laughs> Roll credits. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I've got a, I mean, I think it's pretty. I think it's reasonable that he doesn't suspect anything just from him running out, right? Because and and yeah. every light in the house is on. Every window well, that, is fully <laughs> illuminated. You wouldn't necessarily think, oh, this is a this is a twenty room mansion that is solely inhabited by this little eight year old kid. And they were having. Was that the night of the? When was the party? Was it the next night or was it that night? I think it's the next night. I think it's the next night. So, so even if he is suspecting this kid's alone, the next night there's a rock and party going on. He's like, oh, it's fine. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just wanted to touch on this because Sean brought it up 
from the perspective of the audience, you guys are all old enough to have been adults when you saw this. Is that accurate? Not adults, but I was, uh, I was 10. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess I was the only adult. Uh, yeah. No, I, um, and I, I, yeah, I was an adult first time. Yeah, I was, were you about 46? <laughs> the, um, when old man Marley showed up, I recognized that instantly as the, as the scary old man going to turn out to be the good old guy trope that I'd seen 7,000 times in other movies growing up. I wasn't really, I wasn't really <sighs> fooled. You know what I mean? I wasn't thinking of him really as a serial killer. As I was watching it, I just I just saw, oh, they're doing this with that character. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. in the movie, I, I mean... Did, did you guys experience that? Or were you, like, the person that was said, Brian? Yes. Um, were you like, were you like, oh, he could be a serial killer. There's wet bandits, but there's also a serial killer. Holy crap. No, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I don't know if it's just from seeing a lot of movies. I mean, even, like, when I was 10... I, I don't remember specifically, but I think you do. I mean, you kind of see it coming, right? That he's going to turn out to be normal or or tragic. Yeah, yeah, but not murders. Yeah, no, 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 no. But I don't think that's the point. I mean, from the whole movie, I, I mean, we're talking about him now, but I, he's really not that big of a part of the movie. I mean, he's got a certain plot function that helps out Kevin at the end, but. He, he's not really a major role in the movie. The after doing not really show, about him. After doing this show, now I just want to see a movie right. where it's Home Alone retold from his perspective. Right. Yeah, party like that, you don't get invited. Listen, that's... Well, I won't say anything. <laughs> well, they don't, invite the, the, they don't invite the South Bend Shovel Slayer. <laughs> no, they're not inviting the guy who cleans off their driveway all the time. Dicks. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think so. Did any well? Yeah, if you're older, I guess you do see it coming pretty easily. But I, I don't think anybody. I don't think there's anybody that sees this movie and thinks, "Oh wow, they also have this killer plot line." Right. I think this is kind of thing that comes up when you watch a movie in, in small chunks. All the scenes that involve Marley put together are about ten minutes, and that's counting the whole, like counting a minute of this, the, the scene where Kevin is hiding under the bed then walks out front, shouts, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid anymore. And and then Marley shows up and scares him and he runs back in. That's counting a whole minute for that scene when Marley's really only in it for a few seconds. And six of those 10 minutes are just that church scene where Kevin and, and Marley are having their little their little chat, their heart-to-heart talk. And if that's, you, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, if you take out that scene, then he's barely in the film at all. The church uh, is the main crux for him. That that's the whole point of his entire character. Yeah, yeah. If it's for there. the church. It's for the church scene. Is that the only time we hear talk? Yes. Be- yeah. Mm-hmm. And he might say, "Does he say something at the end? Like after he knocks out Harry and Marv? Does he tell like Kevin go home or something?" He might. No, I think it just cuts away. You know, maybe this is a bit of a confession. I don't know. It was like John Hughes. Maybe he's got some mummified bodies in a in a trash can full of salt somewhere. Is he trying to tell us something? Is he still alive? Hanging out with Elvis somewhere? <laughs> Wait, is John Hughes not alive? I mean, should we talk about the church scene here? Um, yeah, so let's get into it. So I said, since that's we could, because the store scene basically works the same way as the I'm not afraid. Yeah, yeah. it adds an injury. Well, and, and, and I, I see why they cut that. And replace it with the sourcing, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the store scene is another one that I think feeds into 
my theory that the first, the, the only time that Marley is really there is the first scene where he's dragging <laughs> the can and then, but you know, they go to the window and Buzz tells that story and then he gets into he gets into Kevin's imagination and every other appearance of Marley after that is, you know, it's, it's a Tyler Durden situation where it's just <laughs> Kevin's imagination because in that he just walks right up to the counter. Like someone's like Kevin's there, like there's a line, but he no, just, just, he supposedly walks right up to the counter and just like slams his bloody hand, his bad bandaged hand on the counter no one else seems to react to that. Other, and I mean, we don't see much of an aftermath because then Kevin becomes a shoplifter and runs away. But um, does this Tyler Durden version of things fit with? Um, I forget who what, who published it, but there was a piece a few years back where they suggested that uh, Kevin McAllister grew up to be the killer from uh, Jigsaw. Oh right, I Ooh. forgot about that. And so maybe he's he's projecting that old man out, and then eventually brings him in for the violence. Right. Eventually, he becomes the old man killing people. Um, so let's see. Yeah, so we'll jump to that. You know, Marley's kind of his main thing where, well, it kind of goes both ways. So no one else, no one else reacts or talks to Marley other than Kevin. And no one else seemingly notices this eight-year-old boy walking in all alone other well, than the, Marley. The granddaughter does look over, but she could just be looking at Kevin. Well, right. and, and also... Just to just to address that quick, back when we were back in 1989, 1990, eight year olds just went everywhere. They just went to stores and stuff. It didn't matter. That's true. I mean, I know I, I didn't. It wasn't yeah. unusual to see kids just bopping around town. Oh yeah, I remember by myself. Parents would let you know drop kids <laughs> off at the mall and be like, "All right, we'll see you in a oh, couple yeah. hours," kind of thing. So yeah, that wasn't entirely unusual. Ride my bike to the arcade. Yeah, all the time. Other than it being at night. Um, so I'm talking specifically about the, the church. So in the church scene, so there's, um, and, and, and one of the things that really makes the movie for me is that this, this back and forth, they both help each other. They both have advice. Um, and, and the point of view, uh, you know, a, a different point of view that helps each other. Marley helps Kevin. I think Kevin helps Marley a little bit and, and doesn't kill him, which is nice. <laughs> which which nice. one when, doesn't kill which though? You know. Both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking specifically Marley doesn't kill Kevin at this point, but it, you know, it also, cause you know, it turns out Kevin, Kevin doesn't hit him with a paint can. Kevin you know? can be, I mean, we saw it a little bit when he has Buzz's BB gun, like Kevin, he's a good shot. He's a good shot. Kevin's, you know, Kevin's not the kind of killer that like perfectly normal one day snaps no kevin's the kind of killer where it's like yeah that oh that one's always been a little bit off we're not well, entirely and, surprised. and if you watch the deleted scene of the bb gun scene where he he has sentenced those things to die before he shoots them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well yeah and he, he's got a little monologue where he sentenced them to die yeah but he explicitly says if you don't die from the gunshot you'll basically bleed out in the basement after you fall down this the laundry chute. <laughs> he Kevin goes to a dark place. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's why that's why at this point he can be friends with old man Marley is because he's gotten dark enough that he can be friends with the killer. Yes. It's not that he's yeah. figuring out he's a nice guy. He's like, yeah, we're on the same level now. Um, you know, game recognizes game, I mm-hmm. guess um what the kids say these days. Like, you should come by my house later. <laughs> See the bodies. See the bodies, yeah. 
Um, yeah, because because his trap should kill these two. Yeah. <laughs> well, because you know, killing's the easy part. It's <laughs> the hard part is everything that comes after, or so I've heard. You just stick them in that big furnace. <laughs> <laughs> You're too scared to go down to the furnace, though. Yeah. Well, but he he overcomes not that anymore. Fear. Yeah, not, not since anymore. He did laundry. Not since he did. Well, and you got to get those blood stains out too. You got to treat the. <laughs> you need an enzymatic uh, spot treater to get out blood, and uh, and there you go. Yeah, this is the coming of age of a serial killer. Well, and <laughs> you guys, do you consider just me in the house by myself to be? Canon, so to speak. Do you know the video I'm talking about? What's that? Oh, the thing of his, where it's him as a grown up. Right. I don't remember what happens in it, but I know what you mean. Thing about. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've seen this. Wait, what? Yeah, what? What is it? Oh my god, it's so relevant to what we're talking about. <laughs> so, what is it? Just me in the house alone. Just me in the house by myself. And it. And, hmm. All right, let's take a look it, here. It's going to add major dimensions to our conversation. At this point of the uh, the podcast, we we stopped talking about Home Alone and went to view uh the title is Just Me in the House by Myself, starring Macaulay Culkin and Jack Dishel. Uh it's from a group, I think it's pronounced Drivers, D R Y V R S is the uh the group presenting again the title of the video is Just Me in the House by myself. So, you know, we took a few minutes in the middle of recording to view the video. I suggest you do the same thing because it, um, um, well, we'll be talking about the video when we come back from the break. So it'll help you understand what we're talking about. And also I think, uh, I think the guys who made this video or the people who made this video were sort of on the same wavelength that we are in terms of, well, old man Marley and Kevin and, and what the future lies in store for all the characters of this film. So again, it's just me in the house by myself. Go watch the video. We're watching the video. You come back. We'll resume talking about the movie. You can resume listening. Thanks. <laughs> you know what? I saw it a while back. I forgot about it. And now it is, I just remembered watching it again. Just wow, right? <laughs> Yeah, okay. All right, sure. <laughs> okay, so we were saying. <laughs> Kevin grows up to be what? A serial killer. <laughs> so yeah, Kevin grows up to be Jigsaw. Jigsaw. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> Wait, it, it okay, so, so just for the is, record. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, his traps mostly are things that you have to do to yourself. You have to grab the doorknob. You have to knock the door open. And that's what Jigsaw does with all of his stuff. Yeah. It's all self-inflicted yeah. injuries. <laughs> Stop torturing yourself. Stop torturing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this fits in for the, you know, the youngest brother who's teased and taunted by by Buzz. He probably gets a lot of that, you know, stop hitting yourself type brotherly torture. So for him to come up with, yeah, all these different devices and traps that you end up doing to yourself. You went through the wrong door. You grabbed the wrong doorknob. And so well, and this also this also adds an element, okay, because we're we're many years past Home Alone now. Old Man Marley could easily have been 
the nice old guy that reunites with his daughter and everything. But it but it could also have been an apt pupil situation mm. going for, going forward in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because their relationship doesn't end at the end of the movie. Their relationship keeps going. He could he could still be he could still have the resolution in the movie that he had and still be the killer. Well, right. He could have had he could have had the fight he had with his son is when his son find out what happened to his first family. That's true. It's no, he's got Kevin. Yeah, he's got a new coming son. over, hanging out, having root beers, slowly being drawn into his world. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. That's that's what happens. That's what the Home Alone TV series is going to be about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of uh, theories then out there. Yeah. Are we ready to be nice to Old Man Marley yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's. So uh, so let's let's you know. So an alternate take is is, is what that he that somehow the the you know that. That South Bend shovel slaying, that was a one-time occurrence, and he, he's never killed <laughs> or, ever again, and he does not... it didn't actually it. happen. I was, yeah, I was going to go with it didn't happen. <laughs> okay, yeah. Bosh just I mean, made that yeah. up. <laughs> if we go based on the movie... Or maybe there was a South Bend shovel slayer, it's just not Old Man Mark. We, uh, when we were kids in my town, we had a, a big legend that everybody believed about, about a, a teen couple, you know, kind of committing suicide with each other because some guy made them commit suicide with each other or he was going to kill him. Mm-hmm. That was fact to us as children. Yeah. And we had a, a kid got caught in the bathroom at the park a block from our house and had their genitals cut off. That was ours. Yeah. yeah. It was just so we didn't go to the park by ourselves. <laughs> what was yeah. it in like getting locked in a bathroom could happen. But what happened in the bathroom that caused the genitals to get cut off? No, like a person. Like oh, a person. Okay. Off. Yeah, there's a strange. It wasn't like you know, a, a, a faulty you urinal or something. Um, and ours toilets, was, you know. and ours was, don't go off alone somewhere to make out. Mm, yeah, mm. kind of the, kind of the thing. But so yeah, following the what the movie's trying to tell us, I guess it's all like we said, all these uh, old tales, and uh, it turns out to be savior teaches Kevin something. Ghost of Christmas Futures in the house, in the church scene. And, uh, you know, Kevin learns to accept his family. Yeah, because anyway, and I, and it's one of those things where it's, it's, is this, is this another case of reading into the movie or actually there? It does seem like all the previous scenes with old man Marley, um, like the interactions with Kevin, like he is just about to smile, whether it's, the you know the night when Kevin is screaming he's not afraid anymore, or it's in the you know kind of the the five and dime when he's getting the toothbrush. Like old man Marley is just about to smile at Kevin when Kevin suddenly just panics and runs off screen. Like he never really gives Marley a chance. Yeah. Until until the the church scene, and then we talks to him. It's like oh, you're not so because Kevin feels safe in a church, so he gives him a right. Well, so, you I- know, at least he's not a vampire. Yeah. Well, and is there kind of a sixth sense situation where you see in the end that he's nice and then you look back <laughs> on the other scenes and go, oh, yeah, he was just doing nice things. He's trying to approach Kevin to, to help him out. You know, the kid is all alone and clearly in distress. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I do think we're it's trying to set us up as we're seeing it through Kevin's eyes. And so we're a little scared the way Kevin is. But when you look back on it, you're like, well, he never actually does anything scary other than have this tale told about him, which he, right. you know, he's not an active participant. He's just the subject of the tale that that Buzz tells. So he doesn't he never really he hasn't really done anything scary, although the, the boots are kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, or ah, come on. Well, okay, maybe I'm the oldest man here, but sometimes you just want something you could slip on easily and you don't right. have to bend over. To... <laughs> <laughs> well, just like he has that that trash can with all the salt at the top, is because he can't bend down. He can't bend down, yeah. so he can't fasten uh, his boots. You're, you're waking up and and your back's too stiff, and you just don't want to bend over that day. I hear you. I am with you there. <laughs> Now, I I don't think the movie he, he's he's got a very small part, but the movie doesn't work without old man Marley, because up until the church scene, Kevin has not grown as a character like he he noticed his family was gone. But until he says it, mm-hmm. I don't think he misses them. Like when he kiss he kisses a photo and says goodnight and I don't buy it. Hmm. Like the only real growth he has, and it's more of just a funny moment, is when he thinks he's a criminal because he stole a toothbrush. Right. He's, it's like he's figuring out. I wrote in Groundhog Day Project, like he's figuring out who he is because he's alone and he has to, and mm-hmm. so he well, doesn't want to be a criminal, and so he feels bad about that. He but what about taking care of himself? I mean, he's grown in that way. Well, I know he's he's went out and bought groceries. What I mean is he's he's taking care of himself, and he doesn't need his family. So he hasn't grown into that I need my family thing yet until he talks to old man Marley. And mm-hmm. they he he's like gives insight to old man Marley that I don't think fits with Kevin as a character, except they're doing it like the back and forth thing. This scene is the heart of the movie, because without this, Kevin doesn't need his family to come back. He'll be fine. He can take care of himself. He can fight off robbers. He can go buy groceries as long as there's money to steal from someone's room. He's going to have a problem once he runs out of money, of course. Right. Well, yeah, I'm going to mannequins to sell. I'm going to slightly, I'm going to slightly disagree. And yes, and that. Okay. Okay. Yes, he he can fight off robbers and take care of himself, self and stuff. But these robbers are supernatural. There's there are things he's done that would kill normal men over and over again, and he mm-hmm. can't get rid of them until the magic shovel hits them in the head. If old man Marley isn't there with a shovel that can stop them in a way that nothing else was able to, then that's all, you know, I'm agreeing. I'm saying without, with old, old man Marley, this doesn't, this doesn't go on or this doesn't. So Harry and Marv were vampires the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and we are, we are missing the scene right before this, where he does go ask Santa for his family back. So like, True. you do see it before this scene well, that he does start to, Want him, his family to come asking, back? I'm saying his his dialogue supports he misses his family, but I really it's because one of my complaints about this movie is Macaulay Culkin is not that great an actor. He has a couple things he does really well, but sadness isn't one of them. He mostly just looks down, and the camera just kind of lets it happen. Mm-hmm. And so his dialogue when he's like, "I want his family back," I don't. I'm not buying it yet. You're not. Yeah, you're not buying it. Old man Marley, and realizes. That if you don't have a family, eventually you're going to turn man that people tell stories about. Right, right. And you're going to have to show up at church all, when it's empty because you can't come when everyone else. Right. Yes, definitely. That 
that scene provides that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess it didn't bother me as much with Kevin. I, I thought he was okay. I thought Macaulay was all right. I didn't. I didn't not buy the stuff he was saying. I don't know. How does everybody else feel? Oh, I didn't. Uh, man, I hate to disagree with uh, Professor Black, but <laughs> I bought it. Yeah, I, I bought it. I, I felt like Kevin was. I felt like when they were when he was being sad. Maybe maybe he was a little weak on the acting, but the cinematography sold it to me. Well, the first time I saw it, I think I bought it, but mm-hmm. it's like watching it over and over. At he he's got a couple notes he's really good at. He's good at like manic joy. Yeah, he's good at like yeah. that excitement in the violent moments where he's getting the getting one up over the Marvin Harry. But until this scene, I don't think the movie has a heart yet. It's trying to, and it's got the mother coming to get him on the other side, but it hasn't quite gotten there until Old Man Marley is what sells it for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. The scene's crucial. Yeah, me too. Because Old Man Marley, it's, it's sad. Like, how long has he been feeling like he doesn't have his son and their family? And he, all he he has, all he has that keeps him alive is stories that he might be a killer, basically. (laughs) Yeah. How long has he felt like he couldn't even go out into public? Couldn't go to a church when everyone else is there. Yeah, because he says it's before Kevin and his family moved into town. So it could be up to like eight years, you know, depending on how old Kevin was when they moved there. Yeah. And that's a long time for an old dude to spend on his own. I mean, unless he's got lamps made of body parts and (laughs) a candy dish made out of a skull and (laughs) Ed Gein territory. Yeah. Which it could be both, you know, just because he's a was once upon a time a mass murderer doesn't mean he doesn't have a heart. That's the yeah. lesson of the film. Yeah, I think that that's the lesson. Yeah. That killers are people too. Exactly. <laughs> that's what they're showing us with Kevin. Yeah. Future killer. Look, he's a cute little kid. Yeah. <laughs> that every, every mass murderer was once a little kid. Who watches gangster films. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Marley, great character. Yeah, are we unanimous? Do we all agree that? Oh yeah, Home Alone isn't a hit movie and doesn't connect with people without Marley. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even. We would have to really figure it out if they didn't have him in there. I mean, obviously, this is a complete theoretical redo of the whole thing, but yeah, yeah, he's crucial. He's crucial. Yeah, structurally, it would work, but it wouldn't be. It'd be interesting to to edit out his scenes, maybe experiment on your own kid and show <laughs> it to him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you couldn't just edit it out. The whole movie would have to change. You couldn't just like take the scene out. Well, yeah. Well, yeah without mean, the church scene, who is Kevin at the end? I don't know. Well, and old man Marley literally is the final nail in the coffin for the wet bandits. Well, right. you could maybe cut around that, have Kevin running through the house and then cut to like the police cars. The cops. Because, yeah, we don't know exactly what was Kevin's plan for, you know, he something in the Murphy's house, but we don't know, you know what his plan well, was if, if Marley was cops. I think he just wanted to get the cops to show up while they were. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just kind of cut to, yeah, they, you know, Harry and Marv have Kevin up on the hook and then the cops show up and they're leading them out into the. Which, which is more evidence of the brilliance of Kevin when he becomes Jigsaw is he thinks ahead on these things. He doesn't right. want. He times everything out. The cops to come to his house. Because he's right. probably got some mummified bodies, too. He That's doesn't right. want the cops at his house. He, he calls them across the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, I don't um, want my family to know what I did. 
So yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Old Man Marley belongs in that pantheon of iconic characters who have really, you know, if you just went by screen time, have really small parts, but but make the film, and you know, kind of goes along with, you know, similar characters like Hannibal Lecter um, and Ned Ryerson, just you know, these cold, stone cold psychotic killers um, <laughs> who don't need a lot of screen time to to scare the pants off. <laughs> Speaking of Ned Ryerson, magic snow shovels. <laughs> snow shovel sets off a time loop in that movie. It kills a bunch of people in this. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Everything's connected. In reality, though, if you're going to kill someone with a snow shovel, don't use a plastic one. Uh, because what's her name? Crystal Bell learned in 2016 that if you hit someone with a plastic one, it breaks. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you do. They even make metal snow shovels. I think they still make them. Oh yeah, totally. I don't know. Totally. You have to hunt around. You get the metal one, not I the not you the plastic. Find. You don't have to hunt around in my town, man. I live in the middle of Iowa. Okay. Every so, uh, every grocery store and convenience store and bomb guards and every single store has metal shovels. I'm from right. L.A. Seasonally, so <laughs> one time I used a snow shovel on a sidewalk when I was in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I was a kid, so I don't even remember it. I just remember a photo of it. Plastic is just not going to cut it unless you've got a big, thick PVC piece of plastic that's that's like ground down to a sharpened mm-hmm. edge. <laughs> like a shiv. Right. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, so I, I you know, excuse me, uh, looking to wrap it up. Any Any final thoughts? Old Man Marley, good. Murderer's bad. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes they might be the same person. (laughs) I I don't know if we specifically mentioned it, but I like the visual of he has a bloody cloth injury, a Band-Aid in church, and then no scar at all on Christmas morning. It's a miracle. It's a miracle, yeah. (laughs) When we see him greeting, when he's reunited with his son and daughter-in-law and granddaughter, the hand is magically healed. It's a Christmas miracle. Uh, or maybe he's just wearing that's we're not seeing he's his hand. It's, the, hand. it's yeah. the skin of one of his victims that he's made into a, a cloth. He had to wear just... his Christmas best to meet his family. <laughs> yeah. No, no. So yeah. Uh, old man, Marley, great character and inspiration and certainly uh, the right move for, for the film makes, yeah. makes the film. Yeah, when I found out it wasn't in the original script, I was like, that, I don't understand that because he's necessary. Yeah. Well, it's probably just not a very good script. The last thing I want to put out into the world about this is that this is just a direct message. I'm just, I'm just rolling the dice that the Farley brothers are listening. I want to see a dark, gritty reboot. I want to see, I want to see this happen, but in a realistic way. And Old Man Marley is actually a serial killer. And after and we he takes have, him down with a shovel, Kevin cuts him apart, and they just go <laughs> at it in the basement. I want to. I want to see them make this movie. If there's gonna, if there has to be a reboot, and it seems like there does, of everything that's good, if everything that's good needs to be ruined with a reboot, I at least want it to be something dark and gritty. Right. Take it in right. a different direction to justify. You know, tell a different right. story. Right. All right. All right. So. Yeah. Um, so, so Curtis, if folks want to hear more of your gritty takes on, <laughs> on family comedies, where, where can they hear more? 
Well, we are definitely uh, releasing at least one episode of the Better Off Dead Minute every quarter mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for tax reasons. For tax reasons, yeah. <laughs> now, it's, winter's coming up. Jason and I are going to be able to finish that up and, and get it out. But um, I'm kind of excited about I'm looking for people who have read Neuromancer. I'm working on the Neuromancer Minute. It's it's a minute by minute look at the audiobook. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. So that's it. Neuromancer.com and betteroffdeadminute.com. All right. It's where they cool. can find me or, or they can read about Sac City, Iowa at the sacnews.com. Yeah. Folks should check, check all those out. And professor black, mm. if people want to hear, uh, you can find links to all my stuff at lemmingdrops.com. Those links will take you to the groundhog day project. My blog about groundhog day, mostly, but lots of, uh, podcasts, including, Mandalorian Time Machine, Michael Myers Minute, Dave Made a Minute, Annihilation Minute, The Room Minute, Mandy Sucks Minute, and Cock and Bull Minute. I think that's well, it. Yeah. A lot of minutes. <laughs> and lots of guest something spots. something for an hour. Linked on there. Include them all. <laughs> do something for an hour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, right. And as always, you can find us, Brian and myself, at uh, nextscenepod.com and nextscenepod and social media, Jelly of the Month Club. And uh, on Facebook and uh, and wherever you heard this, just keep listening, and there'll be more more podcasts to come. Um, and uh, Brian, any any closing thoughts from you? Uh, no, I'm just like I said. I like Marley works. We love him. That's about it. All right, and yeah, we'll leave it. At, we'll leave it at that. It it works. So happy holidays, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year. All right, so you guys, yeah, you guys have history here. Um, uh, we can probably cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> of course, now having said, we'll cut that out. Like, isn't that like the rule now? I can't cut it out. No, no, you have to I leave said, it. And you say. No, we'll I... <laughs> All right. Now well, so now that's content. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sweet, sweet content. <laughs> now you have to cut all this too. So. <laughs>